Let's pray. God, we thank you that you know what we're like. We thank you that you know where we are this week in our lives. We thank you for your word that speaks to us through generations across cultures and penetrates our heart. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open the eyes of our hearts and our minds, that we don't just understand, that we be going on transformed to become the people that you long and want us to be. Help us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was interviewed for um, this post of being minister in Camborne Church, one of the questions was for me, Peter, on your day off, what do you do? And without hesitation, I said, oh, I go away for a day in the hills. And there was a silence. And these stony faces looked back at me, and I realized I was speaking into an East Anglian context. Once or twice a year, my father had taken me up Benachy or Loch Nagar. Clock Ben was his favorite one, probably because it was less well known in terms of a hill to climb. It was a climb that started very easily, very welcomingly. There's a tarmac road that you started off having left the car. But the path pretty quickly got smaller, and being the age I was, I did put my foot in muddy bogs at times because I, I wasn't concentrating. And there's a point where the path actually almost seemed to disintegrate altogether and became like scree, you know, stuff you can hardly... Stand up on it. Very slippy. Very slippy. You had to be very careful as to where you put your feet. And had to look the whole time to see where the path was going. The final 200 yards of Clock and the Ben are simply big boulders. And you have to work out how you're going to traverse them. Given all this, it's little wonder that we didn't stop, or the pace my father walked at, um, until we got to the top. And when we got to the top, I was breathless. And I turned around and saw this vista, this amazing scene that took my breath away. Here was, down there was the wee path um, that um, had, had been before. But not just that, here were hills and valleys that I'd never seen before. And in fact, on a clear day, you could see all the way to the North Sea. I felt as if I was on top of the world. My vantage point had been completely changed and would never be the same again. For many of you, as we've been going through the series of Romans, you might have felt a bit like me trying to keep to the path, trying to work out what Paul's saying in each sentence because they're loaded with rich theological understanding. But Romans 8, today, as we say those words, those fantastically words of Romans 8, chapter 1, but... For those of us, but there is no condemnation for those of us that are in Jesus Christ. I can't stress how significant enough this is in the history of of Christian theology. Paul arriving at this point, once this is understood, nothing will ever be the same again. Paul is saying it's not about me and my right behavior trying to keep to the law. It's about being in Jesus Christ, accepting and recognizing a new spiritual identity. 
As Vincent preached a few weeks ago about dying to self, dying to sin and rising in Christ. A changed person. And Paul loves the mystical power, the mystical intimacy of this term, in Christ. In the letter of the Ephesians, he uses it 27 times. In Christ. Jesus talked about being born again. Paul talks about us being incorporated into Christ. Christ, the second Adam, the new representative of the human race, and yet without sin. This term means that we are incorporated into him spiritually. When his spirit comes into our life, our identity has changed. Paul goes on elsewhere to talk about how radical this change is. He talks about us even being a new creation. That's how radical Paul's understanding is of when the spirit comes in us. And who has the spirit? Those of us that are Christians. In Christ, God's spirit comes. So Romans as we've seen over the weeks, is pretty full on about our relationship with God. Access to God. How is it possible? What's the right, how how do we have a relationship with God? In chapter 1 we saw that God through the beginning of time has expressed through creation an order and a purpose and a beauty. And yet human beings, our tendency is not to look at that, it's to keep our heads down, to think about ourselves and go our own way. We've seen the place of the law and the giving of that. And yet, by the time we get to Romans 7 and 8, goodness, the law just makes things worse. Having the law means we just can never reach that target. it's, It's forever so difficult to keep up to that standard. In fact, it's impossible. In chapter 7, Paul expresses his exasperation that even that's what he knows he wants to do, he's still got this desire, this inkling to do the very thing he knows that's wrong. What a wretched man I am. Still there's no answer to Paul's question of what can put me in the right place with God? What access do I have for God? What chance have we got to relate our lives to God? If you read through the Old Testament, you get a really rich appreciation of the incomprehensibility of God to the people there. The longing for God and yet that awesome understanding of who am I to dare think that I can come into the presence of God. Listen to these words from Job that were taken in the message. I came uh, across them as we read through around the Bible in, in 40 days. Struggle as that is, you get some fantastic insights and shafts of light. This is what Job says in chapter 9 according to the message on the incomprehensibility of God. How can mere mortals get right with God? If we wanted to bring our case before him, what chance would we have? Not one in a thousand. God's wisdom is so deep. God's power is so immense. Who could take him on and come out in one piece? He moves mountains before they've known what's happening. He flips them over on their heads on a whim. He gives the earth a good shaking up. He rocks it down to its very foundations. He tells the sun, don't shine, and it doesn't. He pulls the blinds on the stars. All by himself, he stretches out the heavens and strides on the waves of the sea. He designed the Big Dipper and Orion, the Pleiades and Alpha Centauri. 
We'll never comprehend all the great things he does. His miracles cannot be counted. Access to God in the Old Testament was for the very, very few. And even then, the particularity of what you had to do, there were so many things to keep yourself pure. And even those that come into the temple are then blown away further by the holiness of God. Listen to the words of Isaiah in Isaiah 6. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. The holiness of God, that which makes God, God. But Romans 8 shows that God himself has provided another way. Nicky Gumbel tells a story um, from the American Civil War. As a result of a family tragedy, a soldier had been given permission to have a hearing with the president to request exemption from military service. However, when he got to the White House, he was pretty quickly turned away. You know, who, who are you to have an audience with the president? He didn't know what to do with himself. He wandered to a nearby park and he sat down on a bench, fairly disconsolate with what happened in his family, in his present situation. Well, there are people in the park and uh, there's a young lad who, who happened to bump into him and he got chatting And the soldier began to tell him something of his story and began to pour out his heart to the soldier. Eventually the boy said, look, come with me. And he took the dejected soldier and they went back to the White House. But this time they went round the back. And none of the guards seemed to stop him. Even the general and the official seemed to stand to attention when he went past. The soldier was amazed. Finally, they came to the presidential office without knocking. They went into the West Wing. The young boy opened the door to the Oval Office and walked straight in. And there was Abraham Lincoln in mid-conversation with the Secretary of State. And he turned and he looked and said, Todd, what can I do for you? And Todd said, this soldier needs to talk to you. He had access through the Son. And we in our age, not of the law, we have access to God through Jesus Christ by the Spirit. In Romans 7, Paul feels condemned by the law. But in Romans 8, our focus is no longer the law, but Jesus Christ. Romans 7 is a reality that we face, but we belong in Romans 8. Hallelujah. That's the news for us. The power of God in Romans 8 is much greater 
than our tendency towards sin in Romans 7. In Christ, we have access to God. We are accepted. We recognize that Jesus becomes sin for us to satisfy God's demands. That we never ourselves could... That bar up there, what Vincent was talking about, Christ himself has come and become sin for us. We mention Christ's name. We are clothed in Christ's righteousness. So let us lift up our heads. Recognize what Christ has done for you. Our identity has changed. We say the name of Jesus. We enter his details for access to the Father. Think how status affects us. Yesterday, Ben and Tanya got married. Their status changed. They can't, ben, if I asked him now, if he, you know, is he married to Tanya, he can't go, well, if I feel like it, um, I might be. Um, I, I don't think you'd be doing that, Ben. Legally, we have a document that says you're married. Your status, when the status changes, it changes. For us as Christians, for those of us that accept and put our trust in Jesus Christ, our relationship has fundamentally altered. There is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. We are his people. This is his table. And the chapter then builds. It's such a... If you want to look at the the high points in the New Testament, we have accessed the Father, but we go on. We go on from there. That's just the beginning. We're accepted, we're loved by God, and called to be part of his family. Again, reading through the Old Testament, you can see how God commits himself to a people. Well, we now, in the name of Jesus, are his people. God brings us close and invites us to call God, not just sir, but daddy. If we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we have access to the Father. We have a new relationship with God. Those of us with with, with fathers, we, we, we don't call him sir. Or you never speak to your father. We have a relationship. We discuss stuff. We say, why is that? We listen. We learn. We converse. Well, there is a relationship. Through Jesus, by the power of the Spirit. And in this chapter 8, the Spirit is mentioned 21 times. God's Spirit at work in us, making us more like Christ. Inviting the Spirit to go on transforming our lives. Touching our heads, our eyes, our hearts. God has justified us. God has glorified us. We are part of his kingdom and share in his glory. Incredible chapter. And now nothing can separate us from the love of God. Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, danger or sword... Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, neither any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. Yes, we may live in East Anglia, but let's remember that we belong in the high places of Romans 8. Nothing can ever be the same again for those that are in Jesus Christ. In Christ Jesus, we are his. 
His Spirit lives in us. We are more than conquerors. Let's pray. God, we are staggered when we think of your plan of salvation, of your dealings with us as a human race, your patience with us, your long-sufferingness. For when we get bored, when we don't speak to you for so long, when we forget and do our own thing, when we do stuff that is deliberately, we know it's wrong, and yet we come and we mention the name of Jesus And you forgive us, you accept us, you bring us to the table, you invite us to share in who you are and in your glory. Lord, we praise you, we thank you, we magnify your name for giving us an identity to be called your sons and your daughters. In Jesus' name we pray.